Hello and welcome to the Peter Mackay Motorsport Podcast. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in to this episode. Today is the second in our special series in conjunction with our new partner, Heeltread.com. For those who haven't heard the first episode, uh, do check it out. It's, it's available on our channel where I talk about the what might be infamous Ford GT. Um, in particular, the number 85 wins liveried Ford GT that won on the road in the GTE AM class at Le Mans uh, last year as the first and only privately entered Ford GT. But unfortunately, the story did not have the most happy of endings. So I won't spoil the, the story for you. Check it out uh, with our on our first episode. And if you subscribe to our show, you will uh, be within a chance of winning a lovely pair of comfy Heel Tread socks. Heel Tread are a company which I came across uh, about a year or so ago um, uh, when I bought a number of their socks. Um, to be, I saw an advert on Instagram and I thought, these are really cool at last. Motorsport themed socks. I don't need any excuse to buy motorsport themed merchandise, that's for sure. And now I have a larger collection than I would like to admit of these wonderful heel tread socks. And each one of the, the product lines that they produce is inspired by a motor racing story. And that's something that I actually love to do here on the podcast anyway, is tell stories um, both from present and the past uh, in motor racing. And the great thing about motor racing is there is just so many of these wonderful stories. So I got in touch with Heeltread and asked if they would like to pair up with the podcast and offer our subscribers the chance to win some of their lovely socks. And thankfully, they were very, very, very kind to participate. So what we're going to do in this little mini series is tell a few of the stories of some of Heeltread's sock lines, because there are so many great stories to tell. So the first episode, as I mentioned, uh, was about their limited edition wins for GT socks. Today is going to be about the Audi Quattro rally cars. Now, the Audi Quattro is arguably the most famous rally car ever built because it was the car that brought four-wheel drive to the World Rally Championship. And basically, ever since, that has been the staple of global rallying, a four-wheel drive system but when it was introduced it was completely revolutionary in the sport and changed the sport forever so in this episode we're going to talk all about how the quattro came about what it did during its time in competition and crucially some of the wonderful people who drove the car and won in the car as well so where did the where did the technology originate from well the roots of the audi quattro rally car can actually be traced all the way back to 1956 when a company called DKW produced an army vehicle called the Munga. Per, 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 forgive me if I'm not pronouncing it correctly, but it basically it was a utilitarian army, um, we would call it a Jeep, but of course that's a brand, a brand, another brand name or a rival brand name. So it was basically designed to be a wee bit like the, the Willys Jeep with the American army, but it had a very simple four-wheel drive system to be able to take on the terrain that the soldiers needed to tackle. And this, the running gear from this car, eventually ended up in the first ever prototype for the Audi Quattro. 
And in fact, this running gear, or similar running gear, was actually installed into an Audi 80 road car of the time and sort of wedged in uh, and sort of put, put together to fit. And apparently is a real Frankenstein-looking sort of thing. And Audi, I understand, still, um, still have this particular prototype in their possession, in their Audi tradition warehouse. So that was what they got started with, and actually the project was rubber-stamped by the Audi board in 1977, the first year that Star Wars came in to cinemas, to give you an idea how long ago that actually was. So in 1977, Ferdinand Piech and his engineering team were given the go-ahead to develop this four-wheel drive technology for their rally car, but also for road cars. So the two kind of went along side with each other because they were convinced that this technology had relevance in competition because of the traction advantage and the grip advantage but also on the road for customers who in a normal car um, who need grip uh, and safety in um, inclement and poor weather conditions. So in, in 1980 the rally car was debuted, but it wasn't officially homologated at that point. It didn't compete officially until 1981. But in 1980, a prototype of the car was run as what is known in rallying as the course car. So it's basically the car that goes out in front of the field, but just before they start the stage to ensure that the stage is safe to run. Now, normally if you sit at the side of a stage for a World Rally event and you watch the course car, you can tell that the person driving the car is driving it in a fairly spirited fashion, but by no means as fast as they would in a competitive environment. So do bear that in mind when we say that in the 1980 Algarve Rally, when the first Audi Quattro Rally car was running as a course car, if its times were actually to have counted, it would have won that rally by 30 seconds, quite an extraordinary achievement. And in the early testing of the Audi Quattro rally car, its drivers were delighted with the performance it was showing, particularly on the snow surface. Michel Mouton, who was one of the first drivers to compete in the Audi Quattro, she said, and I read in a recent article in Motorsport magazine, um, she says, I remember how impressive the car felt during early testing. On standard rubber, it felt like other rally cars on studded winter tyres. That was the, the advantage that the four-wheel drive Audi Quattro had over its two-wheel drive rivals, your rear-wheel drive rivals. So the scene was set for the car to enter competition. And the results of the Quattro came almost immediately. There were two drivers who won the World Rally Championship in the Audi Quattro, was Hannu Mikola in 1983 and Stig Blomqvist in 1984. And Audi also won two Constructors World titles in that time. But there's one driver who I really want to focus on uh, when talking about the Audi Quattro and what the Audi Quattro actually means to me personally. The driver that I want to talk about uh, is a, a fine lady called Michelle Mouton. And Michelle Mouton, her impact on the world of motorsport cannot be underestimated. And unfortunately, it is underestimated in uh, even today. 
Um, Michelle Mouton today, bearing in mind that next year she will celebrate her 70th birthday, she's still incredibly busy with two key roles within the FIA, the governing body for motorsport. She is involved in uh, rallying safety, um, which of course is very, very important. And you just have to look back at Oitanak's accident in the Monte Carlo rally this year to see just how good a job her and her safety team are doing within that. But she also has a role within FIA Women in Motorsport, trying to de de develop the participation of women in motorsport. And she has a very simple and pragmatic approach to it. She believes that anybody could have done what she did given the opportunity. She has very openly said, I got a great opportunity from Fiat uh, in France and then from Audi. Um, without that opportunity, I would have had to stop rallying. And she believes that there are many drivers, both male and female, who would be able to do this given the opportunity. And that's her job to try and increase these opportunities as much as possible, right from the ground level, getting as many boys and girls karting uh, and trying out motorsport as they can. So she is an incredibly inspiring woman, not just from what she does today, but what she did at the wheel of the Audi Quattro back in the early 1980s. So Michelle Mouton, she really is the first lady of rallying. She is the only woman to win a WRC rally and she is one of the first people to ever win a rally in the Audi Quattro. She won the San Remo rally in 1981, in the first ever year of the Audi Quattro's um, existence. Now, the Audi Quattro was, it had its advantages in terms of the four-wheel drive system, which gave it incredible traction and grip, but the engine which it used was a very, very heavy five-cylinder engine. Sounded incredible, and we'll come on to that uh, in a little bit about the sound of the engine, but the engine was mounted very, very far forward in the car, and the car had quite a long wheelbase, and actually it was the long wheelbase version of the car, which they eventually shortened later in its life. The long wheelbase version of the car uh, was actually very difficult to manoeuvre. Now, on a tarmac rally like San Remo, it's a very, very difficult car to manoeuvre around the tight, twisty turns of this particular rally. So the advantage that the Audi Quattro enjoyed was 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 was, was the, the least on a rally like San Remo. It was much greater in more like snow rallies in Sweden and, and Thousand Lakes gravel rallies in Finland and things like that. But bearing in mind, she won this rally by over three minutes from... Henry Toivonen, who's one of the greatest rally drivers ever to have lived. But she lost, even though she won the rally by three minutes, she actually lost two and a half minutes midway through the rally with a jammed brake caliper and a broken drive shaft. So quite extraordinary just how much pace her and her co-driver, Fabrizia Prons, were able to have over their competition. The following year, in 1982, she won on three separate occasions in Portugal, Greece and Brazil and went into the latter stages of the championship with a very real chance of winning the driver's title. And it all came down to the Ivory Coast Rally in 1982 where she was battling head-to-head -head with Walter Rohl. And Walter Rohl, the German driver who did come to Audi later on, at that time he was driving for the Fiat team. 
And Walter Rawlings is arguably the greatest rally driver ever to have lived. Many people put Walter Rawl at the very top uh, of their list um, of all-time drivers. But unfortunately, this wasn't to be Michel Mouton's, uh, Michel's Mouton's day. Unfortunately, just before taking the, the start line in the Ivory Coast rally, she learned that her beloved father, who got her into rallying in the first place, uh, had passed away um, and unfortunately suffered a number of mechanical failures with her Audi Quattro car, which set her on the back foot uh, and unfortunately uh, meant that she lost the championship. But in ever pragmatic Michelle Mouton fashion, she said, I'm much more disappointed about losing my father than losing um, the world championship. She's that sort of lady. She's always looking forward, always, you know, um, realizing that motorsport, it's just motorsport. So she was, to me, she is the, one of the, one of the people who really set the, she's almost one of the unsung heroes of the Audi Quattro because many people, many motor racing fans have all seen the videos of Walter Rawl on the Portugal Portuguese rally dancing his Audi Quattro Group B car in between huge waves of and crowds of people and the, the videos of him on the Pikes Peak hill climb and all these sorts of things. Everybody's familiar with those. But really, I think Michel Mouton played such an unsung part in the in the mystique and the heritage uh, of the uh, and the legacy of the Audi Quattro. Now, fast forwarding a bit, I have a little bit of a personal connection with the Audi Quattro because a couple of years ago, I was very very lucky to be able to take delivery of a then brand new. Audi RS3. Now, this is something that the Audi Quattro has spawned. The Audi Quattro rally car spawned a long, long line of not only Audi road cars, but Audi competition cars. The Audi road cars, of course, the Audi Quattro rally car had a road car equivalent at the time. And as we progressed into the 1990s, Audi produced the Audi RS2, which was a really, 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 at the time, supercar fast um, family estate car that actually accelerated from 0 to 30 miles an hour quicker than a McLaren F1. Quite extraordinary piece of kit. But then it spawned some of the greatest cars that Audi have ever built. The RS4 estate car, the RS6 estate car, the Audi R8 mid-engine supercar. All of these cars use the Quattro four-wheel drive technology that was born and proven on the rally stages with the Audi Quattro car. And really that is what, if you buy an Audi over say a BMW or a Mercedes, usually that's because you're buying it for its four-wheel drive over its rear-wheel drive, less practical uh, ex examples. And this RS3 that I, I bought was one of those. And to me, it, it basically, the reason why I purchased that car was because it had the closest link back to the original Audi Quattro rally car because I'm an absolute rallying nut, I'm a motorsport nut and whenever I buy a car it always has to have some sort of connection to motorsport no matter how tenuous. In this particular car I, it, was, it, was a, it was lovely, it had a two and a half litre five cylinder engine so it made all the same rally car noises it made all those same kind of very distinct noises that only a five cylinder engine will make that the um the original audi quattro rally car made now as i mentioned before on the podcast my 
where my love of motorsport came from. Really, my 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 real love for motorsport came back in 1995 when um, my mother introduced me to the World Rally Championship, and that was the year when Colin McRae won the World Rally Championship. And for me, Colin McRae was Superman uh, at, at that time, and he was just my hero. And really, it's my it is my my mum and my grandfather who I have to to thank for my love of speed and love of motorsport, and. Really, that was that. Most people, it's their father that get them into motorsport, but for me, it was it was my mother. Coming back to this RS three, normally I give every single one of my cars a name, and really there was no other name to give to my RS three, which was named Michelle after Michelle Mouton. So you know, Audi's Audi's whole perf- RS performance brand has all been born through the Audi Quattro but also these incredible drivers who drove these cars in the 80s. Michel Mouton, Walter Rawl, Stig Blomquist and Hanu Mikola. Now, once the, it wasn't just in the World Rally Championship where the Audi Quattro had significant success. It had really good success in the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, the infamous Pikes Peak Hill Climb. They call it the race to the clouds because it is quite literally, the mountain is so high and the track that goes up the mountain um, it goes so high that you are literally racing into the clouds. And the Audi Quattro with its huge power, uh, four-wheel drive system and you know factory drivers on board was incredibly successful. In 1984, Michel Mouton took her Audi Quattro to second overall and first in class, and then came back again in 1985. In 1984, she, she took her co-driver Fabrizia Pons to sit beside her and call pace notes, because she didn't have the time to be able to learn all the corners of the track. But in 1985, she came back on her own and com- completed the course on her own. She won overall convincingly and set a, a, an outright record for the Pikes Peak Hill Climb, 11 minutes and 25 seconds, despite a very silly penalty from the race organisers. The race organisers tried to give her a, a penalty because of something to do with um, uh, excessive speed during practice starts. Seems a little bit silly to me. And what they suggested was that she would have had to start the start the time trial outside of her car, jump into the car, put her seatbelts on, fire the car up, and then start. And she begged and pleaded with the organisers, saying, "That's really silly. What if I'm not able to, you know, put my belts on correctly? That's really dangerous." And they eventually conceded this, but they said that the car had to start out of gear and that she would have to select a gear once the green light had gone, and once, of course, once the stopwatch had began. But she said all it did was make me more determined to prove them wrong. So if you take that 11 minutes and 25 seconds into context, quite an extraordinary uh, time. In 1987, Audi were back to the Pikes Peak um, hill climb because in 1986, in March, following a tragic accident in Portugal when the Group B era was banned in world rallying, they had this incredibly developed Audi Quattro rally car and nothing to do with it. So they took it to Pikes Peak in 1987 in its most extreme of forms. And Walter Rawl completed that course. Now, bear in mind today, it's all made from tarmac. At that time, it was completely gravel. Completing the course in less than 11 
minutes. Just you can't imagine the driving skill and the techno technological prowess of the car to complete Pikes Peak in 1987. It's more than 30 years ago um, in less than 11 minutes. And he beat Ari Vatanen in a 205 T16 Peugeot. So the Audi Quattro has just had the most, although it was a relatively short time in competition, absolutely exceptional success. And it all came down to the ultimate iteration because this was a period of rallying where there was virtually no rules. You could do more or less what you like. There was almost no restriction to how fast your rally car could be. And the Group B rules dictated that all you had to do was produce, not sell, produce 200 examples of the road-going rally car. So it was also a time of incredible road cars that were spawned from that. And Audi Quattro created something called the Sport Quattro, which had a much shorter wheelbase than the original, much more power, completely different dimensions all around the rally car. At the time, it was the fastest road car ever produced in Germany at that time. Um, you know, at that time, bearing in mind this is the mid-1980s, it would do north to 62 miles an hour in less than five seconds. Now, that's not far off what the RS3 that I bought two years ago can do. So you can imagine just how fast that, that car actually was. And it, it was also examples of the Ford RS200, uh, which was reportedly didn't even build 200 examples, let alone sell 200 examples. Also, we've all seen the pictures of the MG6R4 with just a complete graveyard of unsold cars that they had to build to meet these Group B regulations. But it all came down for the Audi Quattro, it all came down to the ultimate iteration of the car. Development over the years, culminating in the Audi Quattro S1 E2. This car is one of the most aggressive looking competition cars ever made. If you're unfamiliar with which particular Audi Quattro this is, it's the one, it's very easy to spot. It's the one with the huge wide carbon fiber wheel arches, enormous spoilers, both front and rear. It had the most incredibly sophisticated aerodynamics for the time. And if you watch videos from the Thousand Lakes Rally in Finland, which is a notoriously difficult rally, where the car, basically the cars are flying for half of the stage because they're going after jump, after jump, after jump. And a lot of the Audi Quattro's competitors, they would go over the jumps and effectively nosedive on landing, but the, the aerodynamics were so sophisticated of the Audi Quattro that when it flew over, um, when it flew over the jumps, it would almost float through the air. It's exceptional to watch. That's another bit of YouTube homework for you to go and check some of those videos out. It also had, at the time, a couple of really, um, really revolutionary bits of technology. I mean, the four-wheel drive was well established by that point, and all of um, Audi's rivals, uh, like Pargeau and Lancia, had caught up and built their own four-wheel drive systems as well. But it had two things up its sleeve, this particular iteration of the Quattro. It had a now slightly unfortunately named KKK Turbo, doesn't mean what you think it means. Uh, basically, it was a very clever type of turbo that would recirculate the air to keep the blades spinning at high revs and therefore causing less turbo lag, which was a big problem at the time. Lancia, one of Audi's rivals, 
they actually combated this problem by fitting a turbocharger and a supercharger to the car at the same time so that the supercharger could fill the gaps when the turbo was still spinning up uh, as, as well. The other thing that the Audi Quattro had that was completely unique was a PDK double clutch gearbox. Now, a double clutch gearbox is something that you'll now get in a, a Skoda taxi. Um, it's very, very common. Most cars sold within the Volkswagen Audi group will be sold with one of these double clutch automatic gearboxes. It's basically now, if you order an automatic gearbox with a VW Audi group car, it will be a double clutch gearbox. It was actually originally fitted to the Audi Quattro rally car uh, and was developed by Porsche who were using it in their sports cars at the time as well, their racing sports cars. And at the time Walter Rawl when he was when he was driving this car in competition, when he was launching off the line at the start of a stage, this double clutch gearbox offered him such an advantage off the line and it was so aggressive because he was able to just launch straight away whereas the other drivers had to you know, feed the power in with their manual gearboxes in a clutch. Walter Roll didn't have to do that and he said when they were first testing this technology, the other drivers who he was competing against who were behind him in the stage order would actually get out of their car to watch the Quattro launch. So, now this is racing drivers who were getting out because they were so in awe of this amazing machine. So that was the, the S1E2. That is really the, the ultimate iteration of the Audi Quattro. And if you saw, if you're in the, the UK, if you saw last week's uh, final episode of uh, BBC Top Gear when they did the feature on Colin McRae's uh, championship winning Subaru Impreza, you might have also seen that they had in the studio an Audi, an Audi S1 Quattro Rally car, and that is the particular car with the big wide arches and the big spoilers. Really, really cool car. Also, most um, most um, video games in rallying normally they will they will have an Audi Quattro Rally car in there. So if you if you're a fan of any of the Colin McRae Rally series uh, or or anything like that usually you'll find that there's an Audi Quattro. So if you've got your Xbox or your PlayStation, go and have a go with one of those Audi Quattros. The final part of the story with the Audi Quattro rally car, it didn't just, once the, the, the firm had stopped at the end of 1986 in rallying, and actually they've never returned with the Audi brand at least to the World Rally Championship. Of course, the Volkswagen Audi Group, the parent company, have come back very successfully with a number of their brands, particularly with Skoda, um, Volkswagen uh, uh, as well. But Audi used the technology not only with their four-wheel drive system, but their engine as well, for, to have great success in the IMSA Sports Car Championship in the late 80s and early 90s, and actually as well in the British Touring Car Championship, where they came in with a four-wheel drive Audi A4 and dominated for one year before the technology was actually banned. And then finally, using the, using the technology in the World Endurance Championship with their hybrid diesel-powered, uh, hybrid electric-powered uh, and diesel-powered um, Le Mans car as well. So it will remain and will continue to be a, a big part of the company's um, DNA. And it all started back in the late 70s uh, in, up in Germany. And when it, when it took to the stages with these wonderful drivers like Michel Mouton, like Walter Rall. If you've never seen the car in action, just type in Audi Quattro Rally on YouTube 
and be prepared to be amazed. Turn the volume up because it's one of the most beautiful sounding, most aggressive sounding cars you will ever be likely to hear. Now, if you've enjoyed uh, the story about the Audi Quattro or is a story that you're very much familiar with and you're a big fan, I have good news. Following on from our competition last week, our lovely friends at Heeltread are offering another opportunity for subscribers of our podcast to win a pair of Audi Quattro Heeltread socks in the very, um, the very catchy, eye-catching bright yellow and check red and grey checked livery that's very synonymous with the Audi Quattro. So all you need to do to be eligible to win these pair of very comfy socks uh, is all you need to do is download the Podbean app and click follow or subscribe and you will be eligible for the competition. So good luck, tell all your friends to enter and if they win, you can pinch the socks off them. Thank you very much indeed for listening to this story in partnership with Heeltread.com. We have a couple of other brilliant stories to tell you, so do stay tuned for those episodes. Thank you very much for listening, and I look forward to telling you another Heeltread story very soon.